welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace, Bob. We have one of your friends on today, and I'm so excited about sharing time with her. Oh, our listeners are going to love Katrina. She's known what she wanted to do since she was a little girl, and her story is amazing. No, I can't wait. I'm just going to share a little bit of her bio. Katrina McAlexander is 44 years old and grew up in a small family farm in Parktail, Oregon, on the north side of Mount Hood. And she recently bought her family's farm from her parents in 2014. She has a child psychology bachelor's of science degree, which totally makes sense with farming. A bachelor's right. of science in nursing and a master's degree in nursing and works off the farm part-time as a nurse practitioner as a clinic or at a clinic in a local jail. And she farms the diverse crops on her 51 acres, a third generation farm, including grapes, blueberries, cherries, peaches, plums, nectarines, apples, and pears. And she also grows acres of tulips, dahlias, and sunflower fields. As far as veggies go, she farms a pumpkin field, squash, culinary herbs, hops, carrots, sweet corn, beets. We can just keep going on. But this has turned into a place that's a venue. It also has on it, uh, they do alcohol and they, they're doing their own beer. They're doing their own wine. They're doing their own cider, hard cider. I mean, Trina is doing amazing stuff and she's single, which I love. I love the fact that she's done this, not waiting for somebody to partner to her, but saying, I'm going to go after this. This is a vision I have in God. So I can't wait to talk to her. Oh, I think I think you and our listeners are going to love this. She she's marked by joy. Whenever I talk to her, I'm just so taken aback. She calls her relationship with Jesus a friendship with Jesus. And so she's as she moves forward in new ventures and the things that she's doing, she's just got such a joyful heart. And I learned so much from her. Uh, and I think our listeners will, too. Well, from what you've told me about her too, she's a perpetual startup because she starts new wings <laughs> of new her business all the time. So you know the pizza oven part, which I want to hear about, and restaurant menu type thing to the farm stand to the venue, and it's a lot of different levels of your business that you just keep starting. And to stay in joy when you're in startup mode is one of the hardest things to do. And I know for me, um, it's Sheree, my wife, and I. One of the things, we have a couple of core values. One of them is peace. We don't avoid conflict, but we try and keep peace at all costs. And another one is we try and keep joy. And we're responsible for our own joy, but we try and create a joyful environment for ourselves and our employees and everyone else, our ministry partners. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're in startup mode or when you're launching new projects. It's Because there's so many challenges and the challenges look and feel bigger than your current place of what's ever going on inside many times. Do you guys face that a lot? Well, Lauren and I have this funny joke because like joy for me is interesting. Um, for those of you watching this on video, here's Bob. <laughs> so true. And then here's Bob on joy. Same You've changed thing. a lot though in the last couple of years, but yes, I agree. So I have to work on joy because I'm practical, I'm strategic, I'm a risk manager. And whenever somebody has an idea or I have an idea, I'm always thinking about the 12 things that can go wrong or that we have to do so it doesn't go wrong. And, you know, Lauren will say, are you excited about doing the podcast with Sean? And I'm like, uh, no, you're not. But it's, it's really exciting. Well, I mean, there's all these things that we have to do before. And what if and what if? And, I, and she's like, can't you just have joy? And I was like, OK, I'll work on it. 
But then when we talk to Trina, like we just hear this joy. And and like I know that you and Cherie operate in this so beautifully uh, separately and as a couple. Well, I think for us, the key to joy for us, honestly, and you're good at this. So it's interesting that you go through that is being present and being present with whatever you're doing and letting everything else be outside of that. And our, our good mutual friend, Paul Young, does such a good, the right of the shack does such a good job of saying, don't future trip, don't trip about your future, stay in the now and stay in this moment. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. And I think my parents modeled that well. And then I just lived that way. It was like, there's been a lot of times, a lot of hell's broken loose. And in that day, I still enjoy the day, mm-hmm. not every day, but most of the days. And I, I think that that's a real key is like, how, how can I find God? This is the only day I'm promised. So how can I find God in this day? And how can I still enjoy something that's happening? And it's a, it's a thing we practice teaching our kids. And it's really interesting. So when you apply that to business or what you're going through, there is those moments where you're like, I'm now pressed against the Red Sea by the Egyptian army and I'm going to die unless God comes through. And that's where you can find the joy is like, but God. And people who don't know how to lean into that part or haven't had those miracles yet, or at the beginning of that journey of faith, it is really scary and your joy does get robbed more. But once you've experienced it a lot, I mean, one time Sri and I were in bed and, and we were looking at a mountain of opportunity that needed to happen for us to complete our last home renovation. We had this much money and this much opportunity. And then we realized it's not just opportunity. If we don't finish it within a certain time frame, we're going to lose all of our permits and everything else. And there was no way for it to happen. And I said, how do you feel? And she goes, I'm so anxious. I feel like I'm I could have a nervous breakdown if this continues with this intensity. I said, me too. And she said, let's look at all the things God's already done for us, though, financially and in our lives. And she, we have a list on our phone. So she pulls up the list and she read three things. And we both started laughing. We're like, we're good. And there's only three of the, I mean, we just started the list. We're like, you know what? Honestly, it doesn't mean we didn't have anxiety anymore, but it meant that we allowed joy to be the dominant factor in, in that whole situation. And it was so beautiful to be able to do that. I love that you said that, like the idea of keeping... Uh, what God's done for you on the phone is a brilliant idea. And that's how I break into joy when I'm facing something. I just try to remember what has God done? Where has yeah. he taken us from? At one point in, in my life, we were facing some really dire circumstances in our business. And Lauren looked at me and said, well, God wouldn't have brought us this far for you to fail. God so, wouldn't have brought us this far for us to fail. And, you know, she just prayed this prayer of faith over me and over the business and over us. And it was amazing. And it gave me the faith and the strength, you know, to move forward in joy. Well, I love that we get to talk to one of the most joyful people as far as you told me. I can't wait to meet her and experience it. Trina, next. And I want to encourage you on exploring the marketplace. She's a startup woman who's single, who's raised the money to buy her parents' farm and is killing it. You're going to not want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Shannon from the Bowles team. I want to tell you about an exciting offer for our brand new book, Wired to Hear, written by Sean Bowles and Bob Hassan. It's about connecting God's voice to your life, influence, and career. If you work for a living or run your own business and you desire to hear God's voice for yourself in the workplace, this is the book for you. Right now, you can pre-order Wired to Hear through BowlesMinistries.com. You'll receive a signed copy, a submission for a free grant, and many other exclusive offers only available through BowlesMinistries.com. Grab your copy today. Well, here we are, Sean, exploring the marketplace with our friend Trina. 
and she is a farmer in Oregon. Trina, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with both of you this afternoon. Trina, you have no idea. My wife and I are geeking out about your farm and about what you do. And we can't wait to come visit. One of my favorite parts of the show is that Bob and I get to introduce each other to our friends, our friendship network. But you are a phenomenal, phenomenal human being. I just want to tell you. Um, well, it's fun dreaming and being creative with God. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I know, uh, Bob, you had told me about Trina and how she bought the farm from her parents, but I'd love to hear the story from you. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So just to rewind the tape a little, my grandparents immigrated here from Switzerland and kind of fell in love with our farm because there's this huge Mount Hood backdrop and it kind of reminded them of home. Oh, it's beautiful up there. So my parents eventually bought from them in 1974. I grew up here and I started having dreams around the age seven or eight that I would one day buy the farm. Um, <laughs> so I knew that in order to do that, I'd have to get like a degree that made enough money to save up. So I love being a nurturer and helping people with healing. So I decided to become a nurse and then a nurse practitioner. Started saving up like $200 every month. And then eventually I had enough to buy my family's farm. Oh my gosh. And I came back here when I was 36. That I mean, like who does that? Right. What a Jesus thing. Totally. And to be honest, it's been like, it's just been this fun thing because I keep getting these downloads of ideas that I could do on the farm that we haven't done before. And we kind of try them out and they end up being really successful. And those ideas usually come when I'm sort of walking around the perimeter of the farm, just sort of praying and kind of blessing the harvest. And mm. so I've got this huge 51 acre canvas to just dream with God on. And it's been really fun. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride. There's definitely been times where my dreams were way bigger than my actual funds. And I had to like pray in the funds, but it's been wonderful. So Trina, one of the amazing things about you is that you have this friendship, you call a friendship relationship with Jesus. And so like, we're seeing you smiling and you're always smiling. And <laughs> Is because you're just in this partnership with the Lord. So tell us, like, in in the recent years, you've made some additions, a wedding venue and a pizza, a pizza oven. And uh, tell us about those and how that your friendship with Jesus played into that part. You bet. So um, probably my favorite memories as a child or when I when I think back or having Sunday supper at my grandparents' house. Uh, all of us would get together and, you know, we'd bring something we harvested and we were doing farm to table before it was hip to do farm to table. Um, so when I thought about farming, I thought, you know, what's missing is this idea of fermentation. So taking the fruits that we make and making hard cider, beers, wine, and hospitality. So my mission has always been to weave them almost like a rope farming, fermentation, and hospitality in the farm and kind of create these gathering spaces for my community so they can come and get refreshed, get restored, get nourished. So um, my first um, 
my first thing that I built was the event space. And we, of course, do weddings there. But like my parents had their 50th anniversary there. Oh. We have family parties. Our employees have their like quinceaneras there and like their first communions. And so it's just sort of like a, everybody on the farm gets to enjoy this pavilion. Wow. And then next, I, I learned how to make hard cider in college because I didn't really like what was being poured at the events I was attending. So we started, we started a cidery and that just was a wild success because, you know, full circle cider, you know, blossoms, bees to harvest fermentation and leaves. Wow. Like you, you get the full experience when you're on an apple orchard. And anyway, slowly, I just kept adding, okay, we started doing wine and my cousin makes our wine and we have about four acres now of the vineyard and planted some hops and now we're doing beer and, and then and to pair with those things, we have just farm fresh pizza. We have salads, we make root gelato. So this is happening all over the farm and um, we're not on the main drag. You can't drive by us. You have to, we have to come here as a destination. Like you have to know about it to come to our farm. How do you think when you first, you know, you buy the farm from your parents, your family, how did you get the ideas for where you're at now? Like what, what was the God moment or the natural, what he put in you moment manifesting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it was the walks around the farm. Um, yeah. Almost like um, you, you're just walking and you're just kind of having this peaceful moment. And then all of a sudden you have this like really clear picture of something that comes into your mind and you're like, there it is. And then um, so I kind of come down and roughly write it out what it was. And I talked to my architect and builder and the wildest part about doing that is like when you can stand underneath the thing you saw like five years ago and it's your dream and it's real now and people get to enjoy it. So I don't know the language you guys would use, but I, it's sort of like a download or sort of like a, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So in that, like, I think a lot of people are listening are like, wow, just the story of, you know, dreaming when you were a little girl all the way into getting a job, doing practical steps to get it. And then walking the canvas of the land and dreaming with God over it and getting downloads over it and then seeing it to this far. I mean, that's that's an incredible thing. I mean, Bob already told me like how incredible it is, but because he's, you know, he knows you. But that's an incredible process that, I mean, people are looking for paying lots of money to find the process. And I love that your process is so steeped in your intimacy with God and your connection to him and talk about as a business owner, what that's like with your employees and with the people around you and, and how, you know, you are a woman of faith, but how does that impact just your community and what you guys are building? Yeah. Well, farmers are people of faith because every year you're like, you're believing, you know, in winter you're believing for spring and in spring you're believing for fruit and then you're believing for harvest. So, I mean, farming is a profession of hope before wow. anything. So the people who partner with me on the dream here, whether they're out in the orchard or they're in the tasting room or, you know, they love the seasonality of farming and they're great believers of this idea that God takes care of us. He's going to bring us enough to eat. 
He's going to bring us a harvest. And, you know, even during COVID, when everything was shut down and, you know, we were out in the orchard planting seeds, like planting bulbs, planting trees, like preparing for the next harvest on our farm, because that's what farmers do. We just keep growing food no matter what's happening around us. And my philosophy, which I think a lot of my employees have, it's a green light until it's a red light. So we just keep going with an idea and a dream and believing that it's going to happen because God gave us this idea. So we just keep moving with it, like keep the momentum going until it's like physically on the farm. Wow. Trina, um, talk to us about the culture that you built. I know you have some very long-term employees that predate you. And you, when you took over the farm, you were intentional about building your culture of family there. Yeah. Well, we probably have to give kudos to my grandparents and my parents. I mean, immigrant culture is all about taking care of one another. And if we have extra, we share with someone else. So um, all of my employees, I want to thrive. All of them, I want to rise into their dreams and their destinies, even if that means leaving my farm and doing something that they'd rather do. So there's freedom and permission here to dream for yourself and to dream in this dream. And then I try to share as much as possible. I try to pay a living wage. I try to get bonuses. I try to, um, you show value by giving value. So oftentimes um, people stick around if you, you know, make them feel so welcomed and, and compensated so well and, so I guess we have four generations of the same family that all oh, work here. Gosh. Lord, that's amazing. And, um, a lot of our employees that work in like our farm stand for our UPIC or, you know, they've been working here. One of them's been working here before I was born. And she's still, she's just doing like one day a week now. But, you know, <laughs> there's just this idea of people really believe in what we're about and they want to participate in it because it's, you know, it feels good to do something that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just thinking about uh, the community and so many communities we've lost our communal spaces because of not just because of COVID, but even before COVID, there's so many, so much stuff went online and there's so many like, you know, everything from youth centers are hardly a thing anymore unless you're in an urban area. You know, it's like there's so many um, gathering spaces are a thing. They're just professional venues now and it's not as rich and saturated with history and beauty. And so I like that there's a movement of venues. There's a movement of food uh, regarding the table. There's a movement because we know the food chain is being disrupted. And also what we're eating isn't what we thought we were eating. And there's now crowdsourced information to understand even food systems that's coming out in mass and all the documentary is like sustainable. And like, you know, the, what is it? Big Little Farm movie. I don't know if you saw that that came out. There's so many people who now are looking at the kinds of things that you're doing with interest, even into Generation Z, which I bet you 15 years ago, it was, like you said, a lot of the farmers are older now and in their 60s. And so it wasn't like this, like there wasn't as much interest 15 years ago, 10 years ago, but something's moving. Do you feel that movement? Do you feel it's a God thing? Yeah. So I know when a lot of people were feeling like their business was shuttered up this summer, we had more customers than we've ever had. Like we, we had a surge of just almost like a magnet or something attractive that was bringing people 
that, um, you know, it was a blessing, but also it was like really difficult to hire enough people to serve all the, the needs. So, I mean, that's a good problem, right? In business, Bob, you're like trying to hire. So it's, it was a very full year. We had an increased year, even during a global pandemic. So talk to us about your fruit stand, even before the pandemic, what you believe about the fruit stand and then how you distribute it to the community and people in need. Oh yeah. So I think everybody in our community deserves fresh food and fresh food and nutritious food that was like harvested this year is actually something you can't find very often at a local food bank. Oftentimes they're selling like last year's apples and last year's potatoes. And so as a nurse practitioner, there's so much wisdom in food being like medicine. So I do a portion of everything we grow to our local food bank. We donate to schools. Like you can get an apple if you rode your bike to school. And there's a lot of ways that we try to be a farm that gives back. Um, So that's kind of one of our hashtags is we're the farm that gives back because we are constantly trying to make um, what we're about accessible to everyone, not just people who, have a lot of money to blow on, you know, wine and pizza. <laughs> Sean, they have a they have a fruit stand. Like like she said, she's not on the main road, but you have a you actually have a fruit stand that has grown and grown and grown. Talk to us a little bit about that and about the ministry that happens there. Yeah. So we kind of open it up like a big living room, our farm, and you can come and you pick whatever is in season. So we have people who've been coming for over 50, 60 years. And um, sometimes, you know, when they're out in the orchard um, and, you know, enjoying something, like God will give me a word or something or some sort of encouragement. And a lot of my employees operate in that as well, where they just really, wow. so you can come get fresh fruit and a word for your life. Um, <laughs> um yeah, lots. One of, my, one of my wife's dreams is to open a farm stand. Like I'm telling you, you are my wife's dream. And so, but that reaches the community. I'm sure there's other people dreaming about certain things and they find their prototypes, like your prototype for people like my wife. And uh, did you have a prototype besides your grandparents and parents, which sound like they were amazing? Did you have something that kind of caused you to go, this needs to be a venue and it needs to have alcohol and it needs to have um an event space what or was that just all downloaded was there something you looked at that inspired you um I'm not sure if there's anybody doing exactly what I'm doing and I'll be honest at first I kind of had to work through my own like limitations around could I do this without being married because when my parents bought the farm they were married and my grandparents and I was I was unsure if it would work I just and then dream after dream, like I was living in Portland at the time working for the health department. I was working a lot with homeless guys in old town, Portland, also a little bit at the county jail. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, that doesn't disqualify you from dreaming. And like, you don't need to worry about that. Like kind of, you know, the, if you build it, they will come by. I, uh, cool. I totally was like in that line. Like if I come out here and if I've I build it like my person's going to show up and I don't need to like wait for them to ask me out in Portland. I can come out to the farm. And um, recently I actually last year met somebody who totally wants to be a farmer. And we've been dating now since um, for not quite a year, but almost a year. And it's been, like, 
it's just been this gift idea that, because I think sometimes we think in order to dream with God, like all the dominoes have to be lined up and we yeah. have, they have to be this perfect like fall. And I just propose that um, God doesn't place those kind of limitations on dreams. And um, so if you want to, and you have a dream, for instance, to do something like trust that the Lord is big enough and that he can just like back you up all the way. Like he's oh. a new and that your dreams are possible because of him. Love that. <laughs> oh, I just love it so much. You're so full of joy. You're so full of hope. God's been working your life out. You, you knew what you wanted to do from being a little girl. And, and now God is just expanding, expanding, expanding you. And Trina, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you guys, it's great to be here. I love that you guys are like promoting this idea of um, dreaming with God and small business, because I think that God is on the move in this arena. Like I just feel nothing but favor from him. I, anything like we dream up, he's just backs it up all the way. That's awesome. Well, tell us how to get a hold of your farm. How can people visit or buy products? Yeah, so we're out in Mount Hood, Oregon. Um, the farm is called Mountain View Orchards. And um, we're, at this point, we don't have like a shipping. Um, that's a good idea, though. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it, at this point, we're kind of, you got to come taste and see here on the farm. Yeah, I love that. People are going to come. I, I mean, I think it's cool to do, even for our listeners, sometimes do spiritual tourism when you hear something on the show. Mm-hmm. And you go, I'm going to go see how they're building. Even if you don't get to meet with the person, I know. Lots of our friends went to Magnolia Farms. Lots of our friends went to small businesses in New York, like restaurants our friends opened. And because they heard about it on a podcast or they heard about it on the show, and they just wanted to put their feet in the land and just get a feel and just participate with what's happening. So go visit Trina's farm and uh, get involved with what's going on with the farm. It'd be fun, I'm sure, especially seasonally. Your good seasons, probably your best seasons coming up right around the corner here too. So that's really oh, yeah. fun. Everything will be blooming. We have this huge acre tulip filled too so everything will be blooming in about a month and it's like inspiring to come because it's like i mean that's the story of faith right seed the flower so yeah come get inspired trina how do people get a hold of you i know you don't do shipping yet but people can watch what you're doing get a vision for what they're doing through what you're doing and also just track with you yeah, so we're on social media. You can find us at Mount View Orchards, The Grateful Farmer, The Grateful Vineyard. Um, our website is mountvieworchards.com. Awesome. And I'm going to encourage our listening audience to go get your feet right south of Mount Hood. I mean, that place is beautiful out there. And go get some food. Go go enjoy the farm. Do some spiritual tourism and get your feet dirty on a farm and just your spirit just awakened by what someone else is building. Thank you. Perfect. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have. 
that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Welcome back to Exploring the Marketplace to the our favorite segment, Questions with Sean and Bob. Sean, we have a question from Felicia. Felicia! I have a question about business partnership. What are things to look for and what are things not to look for? And how does integrity or belief come into play? Okay, that's a great question. And it's one we've received often. As a matter of fact, if you look at our list of questions, it probably comes up pretty regularly. People are wondering, how do I find a partner? What do I, you know, what am I looking for? What am I not looking for? That's a great question. I would say a couple of things. Number one is, are you wanting a 50-50 partner or a majority partner with you? And if you are, the criteria is probably going to be really different than if you want an investing partner or if you want, because I work in the entertainment industry, we have executive producers who are basically partners, but there's no creative control. There's no real control. They just might have control over one aspect, maybe the finances they bring or the talent they bring to the table. So it's different in every industry, like when you have different types of partnerships. And so we don't know what industry you're in because you didn't uh, share with us, but I will say, what I look for in someone I'm partnering is how much do they bring to the table and do they bring it to the table with the kind of integrity that I can trust? And it sounds like someone you were talking about might not have had integrity you can trust because if they fail in integrity and something that makes you uncomfortable, they're going to fail it towards you at some point. If it's a long-term person, that's just, I've seen it happen over and over. If you're uncomfortable now, you're going to be uncomfortable with it when it happens to you. But if it's somebody who just maybe doesn't do business the same way and you're like, the way they do their taxes makes me feel uncomfortable. That's not going to affect me because it's not illegal. Or the way that, because you might have, you know, I have a friend who's in, in, I won't say what kind of orchards, but orchard business. And uh, I'm a huge, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of acres. And he, his business partner over that is someone he would never, ever be a direct business, like 50-50 partner with. But it's somebody who runs one aspect of a company that serves his company. So they're technically in partnership together. And and it's the only option. And he doesn't mind it because like, that's the only option. I am me, he's him. We're autonomous from each other. I wouldn't go down if he went down, but at the same time, I do not like how he runs us. But our relationship, he's stayed and withheld all of his agreements with me. So I think that we just define, like, can I be in the world and not of the world, even when I'm uh, doing business with worldly people? If it's a Christian and they're violating integrity or honor, I would say it's time to back away. It's time to figure out how to get out. If they don't change, repentance means change, or they're not willing to listen, that's a scary partnership because we have to have an open dialogue and open kind of uh, open table forum with people that we're partnering to or it doesn't work. What do you think, Bob? Sean, we've talked about this over and over and we both believe in character and morality. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, the scripture about talking about being unequally yoked is thrown around a lot in marriage and in partnerships. And, and, And the reason I bring this up is because when a partnership or a business has problems and it will, you have to be able to come back to a baseline of what we believe. And for us as believers, having the commonality of Jesus uh, helps because we as believers have the same code of ethics. 
I'm not saying that every business, every person has to have a business partner that's a believer, but it, it sure helps when, when problems happen and hard decisions have to be made. But I think looking for complementary gifts in a partner, if you're good at accounting, if you're good at strategic planning and your partner's good at sales and marketing, that's a good fit. So there's all, all these things, like Sean said, that plays into a part of looking uh, for a partner. And we hope this really helps. Thank you so much, Felicia, for asking this question. Um, go to www.bullsministries.com. There's a button that says, ask questions with Sean and Bob. Does it have my picture, Sean, or yours? I don't know if it has either of our picture. We need to get our pictures up there. I don't know. If it doesn't, there's a button. So we need questions. We love answering your questions. So go to bullsministries.com now and ask your question. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.